Thank you, Father, that you are here in your presence through the Spirit and in your presence through the Word. We thank you that we get to encourage one another and to help one another and to grow in you because of what you've given to us. Thank you for each person here today. We look forward to what you're going to say to us. We look forward to applying what you've already said to us. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much, Simon and team, for venturing out this morning, and all of you for venturing out this morning. Um, if we get stuck here, there's a few brownie bites that are in the uh, cooler back there. We can share them. We'll have to cut them up a little bit to make them go a long ways, but I think we'll be all right. Maybe we could order pizza or something like that too, right? But thank you for being here. You know what excites me? When we're excited, that's right. Man, I keep using the same notes to start these same sermons. <laughs> well, I was excited about Right Now Media, what you're doing with that, but now I'm excited about what God's doing through the Abide in the Word, 40 Days to Abide in the Word. Here's, here's all the uh, cards you filled out to tell me that you're uh, going to do this. Wow, man, that was awesome. Wow, like over 115 people. Oh, there's up there. 116 people, that's, you know, could be higher than that, uh, 41 men, <coughs> and 75 women. <laughs> now, we're not having a VBS contest in the offering here, but, uh, men, we could step up our game just a little bit here. Brothers, brothers, come and join with us. Maybe just didn't fill out a card, but, man, we, we want you to be in the Word, too. This is really crucial for us as leaders in our family and in our world to be able to do that. But man, I am, I am thrilled by it. And if you didn't sign up, our goal is this, is to spend 40 days in the Word every day until Easter. Really, if you look at the whole Lent calendar, you'll see it's more than 40 days because in the Lent calendar, they skip Sundays, okay? So, um, but I had a number of really cool responses in here. I thought I'd share just a few of them with them. Uh, one of them, well, there were a number of them that said this, <clears throat> boldly, we accept the challenge. <laughs> I love it. There were a number of people said, yeah. And there are a number of people that said this, I'm in, I'm in. Yep, I'm with you on this one. That was so much fun to see those responses. Hey, I wrote down a few more. Uh, some number of people said something like this, I will go for more than 40 days. Yeah, you know, that's, you know, 40 days is nothing, right? Hey, I love this one, 40 days and beyond. <laughs> And then there was one that said this, hey, I'll do it, I'm in, I'm committed, and then I'll do 305 days the rest of the year. And they already knew how many days were left in the year to be able to get to that. I love one that said this, easy peasy, there's nothing better. Another one said this, I will increase my abide, drawing from the well, the song we sang last week, tying that together, time by 30 minutes and invite my co-workers to church on Easter. Now, I like when somebody adds to it and says, hey, and then I'm going to go and do what I need to do, and I'm going to make sure that people get invited on Easter. So that's just a little bit of a hint that we all need to be doing that for Easter. You can even invite them to Saturday night, too. That'll be fine. We're good with that, right? 
Uh, let's see, I got this one. It said, uh, Pastor Scott, just wanted to say thank you for the encouraging messages yesterday and last week. I was able to read my Bible three mornings last week, which doesn't seem like much, but it's getting me on a small path. And I've already been able to get my readings for this morning in. So thank you for continuing to push us all to do our best in clinging to Jesus. This is a mom with the kids. <laughs> you can understand. You all know that, moms. You know how hard it is to get your quiet time in with those kids running around. Man, how exciting is that? So we're abiding in the Word, so what? We abide in Jesus, so we cling to Him. Uh, a couple stories just about that. I got a text from somebody in our church said this. Just wanted to let you know, when we were folding towels this evening... She tried to stick the fabric sheet to her pants. <laughs> she remembered, and it opened up a review in abiding in God. Yes, yes. And then somebody sent me this one too. Cling. <laughs> it's working. You're remembering, abiding, what God is doing. We abide in the vine, and one of the ways we know we're abiding in the vine is we're abiding in the Word. And so I want to encourage you to continue on and to keep going and with Jesus. And listen, if you didn't fill out a card, we have plenty of them out there today. Fill out the card. Let us know. We would love to have you join the team. Just fill it out. Put your name on it 40 days. Put it in the baskets as you go out along with your offering. We appreciate that so much. Keep sharing with me if you would. It's so encouraging. You know what excites me? <laughs> when you're excited and when you share back with me or with Simon or or with Pastor Elisha, when you share back with us what, what God's doing in, in your life. I read this from my friend, uh, the generosity monk, Gary Hogue, up in Denver. He was talking about and Lent, and he was talking about the three things to, to alms and to prayer and to giving that are in Matthew 6, things that we're commanded to do to be a part of, and, and how we're to, to, to do them in a secret way. I don't think Jesus is not saying never share with somebody what, you, what God's doing in your life, right? Because how would you be encouraged if you didn't share with one another what God's doing in your life? He's just saying don't brag about it, right? But Gary put it this way. I thought this was really good this week as I read this. He says, if you talk about it with others, say this abiding in the, the word, don't talk so much about what you are doing as what you are learning. What rewards are you reaping? What insights are you gaining? What is changing you? Great thoughts. As we think about this, abide in the Word or anything that we get involved in. Don't talk so much about what you're doing, but talk about what you're learning, what God is sharing with you, with one another, because you know what excites me? <laughs> when you share with me, it, it gets me encouraged. You know what? I don't take on this 40-day adventure abiding in the Word simply to tell you what to do. I need to do it. And it's pushing me to do it. And I need to be pushed. I need to be challenged. And it encourages me and it challenges me when you come back and you say, hey, I'm making progress. This one that shares, man, I got into the Word three times last week. Yes! Yes, that's exciting! So we keep doing it. We keep doing it. We keep doing it. Growing together. So to do that, I thought, as we talking about abiding in the Word, I thought for the next three weeks or so, it might be four, it might be nine, I don't know exactly why, uh, we would talk about Scripture and its preciousness to us. I know today this sermon's going to be a two-part sermon in Psalm 19, okay? I couldn't get through all of it. 
uh, might be able to do that, but I'm, I'm not interested in that, and I haven't written the second half anyway. So <laughs> I got the first half done because I know there's more there that I want to talk about, and I want to cover the passage just a little bit more than just the word. I want to talk about the first part. So you got your Bibles there? Psalm 19. Wow, this is a great, great passage that, <laughs> that is very, very obvious in its beauty even today. Did you know it's snowing outside? <laughs> Think about that. Psalm 19. To the choir master, a psalm of David. These, the, these words are to be put to a song. I don't know what the Hebrew song was, um, but we know verses 7 through 11, a portion of those have been put to song. Uh, in our, even in our day, in the past years, have been put to a song. <clears throat> but here's what David says to give to the choir master so they could sing it to the Lord. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has sent, set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. And let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Know this verse. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And that's good, isn't it? <laughs> that is good, and that is rich. And we get to look at it, think about it, study it this morning. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the skies or the firmament, firmament above proclaims his handiwork. He's saying to us in this passage, there is evidence of a creator. There's evidence of a creator. All you have to do is just look up and look around. And you'll see evidence of God the creator. Now, it might be a little bit hard to look up this morning. <laughs> You can't see the heavens, you can't see the skies, but has anybody ever told you, and I think science confirms this, 
that every snowflake looks just like one another. No, okay. There's duplicates all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, every third one. Every third one's the same, right? What do they tell us? Every snowflake is different. So maybe today we can't look up and see the heavens, but we can certainly look around and watch out for a snowball coming at you afterwards, right? Every snowflake is different. That tells us something. There's order, there's design, and there is a creator, and his name is God. Amen? He has put this together for us. All we have to do is look up and look around and we'll see evidence of him. In verse 2, David says that the cycle of day-to-day tonight, it also speaks that there is a creator among us. You've probably noticed that this cycle is pretty consistent. I can look back at the clock back there, and it tells me this cycle is really consistent, that it's 8.51 right now. Hmm. And when I finish, it'll be 10.51. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> There's consistency to the cycle of day and night. Although we can't see the day very well right now, it's there, it came up, it, it rose, Matter of fact, I opened the window to look out this morning while I was having my quiet time because I wanted to see when it started snowing as the light would come up. There's that cycle that tells us that there's an order, there's a design that, that someone has designed and put this together for us. Now, if, if left to man to, fi- to figure out the design of the 24 hours, the sun coming up and the sun going down and the night coming. If it was left up to man, we would be in big trouble. Think with me. How many of you are morning people? How many of you are night people? God, do we speak? If we had to put together this cycle of sunshine, of darkness, we would be in trouble because we got a whole bunch of people that would disagree on how to make it work. So you go, no, man, 10 o'clock at night is when things start. Woo, let's go for it. And some of us are already into REM sleep at that time. <laughs> and we go, this 4 o'clock works for me in the morning. That's when I want to finish my homework. And you're going, man, I'm just getting to bed about then. <laughs> We'd be in trouble if we left up to ourselves. If we had to design this cycle of day and night, it would be crazy. That's why God designed it. He put it together because he knew what was best for his creation. And he put the 24-hour cycle into existence. And it speaks to a creator, God. That God created the heavens and the earth. And it's interesting in verses 3 and 4, he says, There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. What he's saying is this. It's obvious. All you got to do is look up and look around and you got to see the cycle of day and night and you will understand there is a creator and that creator is God. All you have to do is look because it's that 
obvious in what God has done. Not man designing, but what God has designed for us. You go into verse 5 and 6. He speaks of the sun. I took this picture uh, Friday morning, or Saturday morning, just right out here. It was even better on Thursday morning, but I got into the building and I forgot about it and started doing things. And I looked as I was coming to pray with Terry on Saturday morning, and the sun's just coming up. It's what he speaks of here. He speaks that, that the sun, as a part of that day and night cycle, tells us there is a creator, and it is God who's declared that I am the one who put this all together. I love how David describes it here in the cycle of the sun. Notice how in this metaphor, this picture he gives to us, in them he has sent a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. The bridegroom, the, the, the male, the, the, the groom is excited to go to his wedding and be a part of seeing his wife, his, his bride coming out and coming down the aisle. I remember it, November 26, 1982, Emerald Bible Church, 7 o'clock in the evening time on a Friday night to watch and to be ready and to come out of that room that says furnace room or something like that. And, and there we were. And, and uh, I'm, I'm looking at aisles like this and, and I'm here and I can see Alicia coming down the aisle. Oh, baby. <laughs> Am I a fortunate man? Thank you, Lord. He says that the sun, although the sun has no feelings, right? And if he did, they're all hot. The sun has no feelings, but the sun is a picture, comes up like that. It keeps coming up. It, it's excited because that's what God wants it to do. That's what God ordained for it to do, to move through this cycle. And it keeps coming up and it keeps coming up. Maybe, maybe you've kind of noticed that through the years, that it keeps coming up. And oftentimes it just keeps coming up earlier than you want it to come up, doesn't it? <laughs> ah. ah, it's too early for you to come out today. Saturday, yesterday, as I went out to get the newspaper at 545, that bird just up there going, can't even whistle right now. <laughs> it's like, be quiet. I've already been up an hour, but be quiet. It's too early to wake everybody up, right? That bird's just going away at it, right? The sun comes up like, a, like the bridegroom. He's excited to go and to, to be a part of this new adventure that he's going to be a part of. But then it says also they're putting in pictures, words for us. It's like a strong man who runs its course with joy. What it's saying there is, for me, what it's saying is this. That strong man has got strength, like the sun has strength. And guess what? That strong man, if you can picture him, he never loses his strength. That's what I think it's saying to me. A strong man never loses his strength. Now, we know that that's not true of us. Well, except for Moses, who said when he died in 120 that he was still as good and as vital as he needed to be all through those years. It's amazing to me. But he's given this picture that the sun never loses its strength. It just keeps coming up. 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 And it keeps heating things up. The descriptions of its orbit and also its function. 
that this is what it does. It orbits, and then its function is to warm the earth up. We know from experience that the same cycle of the sun's rising from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them, as it says here, as we see things, is true. So right now is a really good time to put in a commercial. Next Saturday is time change day. Kind of fits, doesn't it? Uh-huh, yeah. The sun is going to come up later or earlier? Later? Later? Yes? You're all going, I don't know either. <laughs> later, okay, it's later in a sense, right? It changes, but just remember that for next week. I, Spike will try not to send the snow next week, all right? <laughs> Praise God for the snow, right? Praise God for the snow. It's hard to get here, understand that. But praise God for his moisture in that and his kindness to that. The heavens declare the glory of God. They're doing it today. And the skies, they say there's a creator. God is involved in our lives. Now, Genesis 1 and 2, when I'm going to turn there, you know the story, tell us that God spoke the creation out of nothing and that he created everything that he created. Listen closely. It didn't take millions of years to make a man out of a monkey. It took just moments to make man and a monkey and everything else that is seen and unseen in the creation moments. God created it. He didn't need time to make it come about. I believe this. I believe that's what Genesis 1 and 2 says. That God spoke it and this is the way it was. I think that David is also telling us in this passage that the order and design of the universe speaks to God as the creator and the designer. Kenny's, Kenny's here this morning. He just says to us, all of a sudden the combustible engine, automobile engine, just showed up on the shore of the sea. Oh, he's only kidding. Okay. It didn't just happen. There was a designer. There's order to it. I think you know this, that all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we have electric cars. No, we don't. They've been working on this for years. And they're going to keep working on it. You know those skyscrapers? You know, I lived in Chicago. Looked out the Old Testament survey. I looked out that window on the third or fourth floor of Kroll Hall. And I watched them build a skyscraper. I watched it through the year. I watched it. You know how skyscrapers appear? They get material, they get all this metal, they lay it on the ground, and then they let it sit for a million years. And all of a sudden, you have a skyscraper. No, it doesn't happen like that. There's order and design, and God had order and design, and He created it. And He put it together for us. And He knew what was best because He is God. And He cares now, in theological terms, we call verses 1 through 6 general revelation. General 
revelation. God showing himself to the world through his creation. Two aspects to general revelation, creation and conscience. Everybody can acknowledge, and it's obvious to them, that there is a God who created what we have. Paul expands on that when he says in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived even since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. That someday God could not, God could not say to, or a person could not say to God, I didn't see any evidence of you. And God is saying, no, you, you have no excuse. I have shown myself in my creation. It is obvious there is a God and that there is a God who designed and put order to all that we know on this earth. And those heavens declare the glory of God. And the skies, his handiwork, what he has done, what he has put together for us, that we would acknowledge that there is a God and that he wants to be involved in our lives. That's what happens in verses 7 through the rest of the chapter as we look at it. As Pastor Simon put it so well, we, we see that there is a God, but now we want to know who that God is. And that's why he's given us what we call special revelation. Special revelation encompasses the Word of God and also the Word of God in person. I should say the Word of God in print, Scripture. The Word of God in person, Jesus Christ. Special revelation to show us how to have a relationship with the God who has created all that we know. The God is obvious there is a God through the creation, but now God has made it plain and clear to us, this is how you can know this God, through my word in print and my word, Jesus Christ, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God, to give evidence to the Father and to know him. And that's what David goes into. It's, it's like there's two different poems put together in this, Psalm 19. We don't know that, that, that there is, but when you look at it, there are two very distinct sections. The creation, now Scripture, verses 7 through 11, and then the application of it in 12 through 14. We read in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. The law of the Lord, the law would have been to David, what he had as Scripture was the Torah, the five books the Pentateuch, as we call it sometimes, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those five books, that's what David would have had for him to examine. I loved how one author put it. He said this. He said, when David was a shepherd, he had the opportunity to look at the skies and the heavens because he was out in the outdoors. But he also had time to be in the law and to know the law traditionally given oral tradition, passed on orally, because not everybody obviously had a copy of the Torah like we do, the Bible, for us. But he would have had time to recognize that and to look at the skies and look at the heavens, but also to know and to meditate and to be involved in what he knew, the instructions God had given through the law in those first 
five books of what we call the Bible. Now, we can safely say that what David is referring to here for us is what the 40 authors of the 66 books of the Bible put together, that God ordained, that he put together for us. Amen? We, we look at that. We, when we look at this, we, we expand it to what we have that God has been so kind and, and given to us. So interesting, two thoughts come from this passage from, from the Hebrew, written in the Hebrew, right? The Hebrew language, that's what they would have known, which most of the Old Testament is in the Hebrew language. There are some Aramaic parts in Daniel. But two thoughts, and this is, gonna, this is the first one. In verse 1, the word for God is El, and it's been moved on to Elohim. It's been, you have El Shaddai, God Almighty. We have the different words. We did that study about 10 or 11 years ago, the Hebrew names of God. But in, in 7 through 11, the term for God is Lord. And as it is in my Bible, it's capital L with smaller capital letters, the, the word Yahweh. Right? And I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I'm just going off what, what I've, I've read. But pointed out to us, the commentators point out there's the two different. God, when it refers to him as El, is usually in a general sense, a divine name, a respect is given to him. But it's more in a general sense used in chapter 1, in, in Genesis 1.1, Elohim is the word that's used there. And it refers typically to the kind of big picture and to God in a, in a general sense and in a sense of creator. But when the word is used as Yahweh, it's the covenant relationship, the, the personal relationship. And therefore, it's a little bit more specific and its use right here. The law of the Lord is perfect. Can you go to the next slide? Is it the one that I have, the Hebrew there? I should have put this one, the Hebrew. There There we go. It's, it's not very clear. I took a picture of the Hebrew Bible. This is verses 8, 10, 8, 9, 10 there. Now, the Hebrew, you read from right to left, right? Thank you very much, all you Hebrew scholars. Appreciate that. And you will notice that the second word, in, is the word Yahweh. You'll see it. It's the same word going down. I know you can read that, of course. You see that? It's using the same, the same word, Yahweh. It's more specific than what El is. A little bit more de- it, it, it speaks of more detail of God, of kind of the order and design part of God. El is the creation part of God, a little bit bigger. So interesting that, that that's pointed out using two different names of God to be able to describe what David is communicating. So now if you'll go back there, thank you very much, Kayla, to the next slide. The second thing is this. You'll notice in this passage, 7 through 11, that he's using Hebrew poetry. Now, understand this. In, in Hebrew poetry, doesn't use the rhyme like we use the rhyme. Right? Okay, we, we use the rhyme a lot more. Hebrew poetry, that, it wasn't as prolific, nearly as prolific as what we do. Now, you can't see that. When, I know when you saw the Hebrew, you read that. You understood this part, right? It all made sense to you, right? They use more comparison, contrast, to be able to describe things as their poetry goes through. So this is very common. What David has done here, you'll see a lot in the Proverbs. And here's what he does. Line A. 
The law of the Lord is perfect. Then he says, okay, so what's the impact of that? Reviving the soul. The next one, line A. The testimony of the Lord is sure. That fits with line A, verse 7a, right? The law of the Lord is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. Fits with reviving the soul. So you see that all the way down in here through verse verse 9. You see them using this Hebrew poetry to make a point. The truth of Scripture, A, line A, and then the impact of Scripture, line B. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony, get back here. The testimony of the Lord is sure. The impact of it, right? Making wise the simple. You see that in verse 7, verse 8, and verse 9. That's a good picture. And you'll see that all the way through Proverbs. Sometimes you'll see it in, in, in four ways, in four lines. You'll see how it'll be A, B, and then it might go B, A. You'll, you'll see it. Read through the Proverbs. You'll see this Hebrew poetry as they use it to be able to make their point. And David does that here by using a different word for creation and a different word for the special revelation, God's work through his word, and then how he puts things together in the Hebrew poetry. All right. That was kind of fun, wasn't it? <laughs> it's fun when I learned that too. And you might have already known that. You may be way ahead of me. Your Hebrew is better than mine. But just to be able to understand that, look for those things. They become obvious as you get there identified, and especially you'll see them in Proverbs. So the law of the Lord, let's call that Scripture for us, the canon, the whole of Scripture, the 66 book, is perfect. It's accurate in what it declares and describes. It's without error, no omissions. It contains everything that the Lord wants it contained and everything we, that we need to enter into relationship with the Lord so that we will obey and grow in it. I, I, like, I like what the Gideon Bible has done. Well, this is the New Testament, but it's a Gideon Bible. I like what they've done in here, and, and, and you can go to the front, and I know it's in the back of the full Bibles, but it has like help in time of need. So it says like addicted. And then it gives the verses, and then it gives the page number where you can find some help for that. Anxiety. First Timothy, Second Timothy one seven. He's not given us the spirit of fear or timidity, but of a sound mind, of love, a sound mind. Powerful. Matthew six thirty three. Matthew four, six and seven. Bitter. Struggling with bitterness. Here's some passages. Struggling with being critical. Here's some passage. Struggling with depression. Here's some passages. Struggling with your future. Here's some passage. I, I love how they've done that. Like what, what they've done is say, they said this, the law of the Lord is perfect. Scripture is perfect. It will tell us what we need in this specific time. And we can go to it. And we can see God's hand in that. You can see God working in that to show us exactly what we need. And it becomes obvious there is a God who cares for us and loves us. Just as we look at creation and say, there's a God who loves 
and cares for us. And your Bible probably has maybe the same thing in the back, a concordance, something like that, that will help you with that. Now, as we, we read this passage, especially when we look at verse 5 and 6, I remind you of this. The Bible is not a science book. Okay? The Bible is not a science book, but it describes things scientifically, accurately, as understood by the authors in their day. Verse 6. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. That's what they knew at that day. They see it come up. We look out this way. And you know what? That's as far as we can go. We see it at the end of the heavens. You know what? When it goes down over the mountains, we know it's going down and we see that. It's circuit. That's what they know. We know more now, obviously. But in their day, that was accurate to them. They're not trying to be interactive. That was accurate to them. So it's not a science book, but it speaks as accurately, as scientifically as, as they would have known it in that day. As we said, that describes the orbit of the sun, and it describes the function of the sun, that it goes up and around, and then it warms the earth. We don't see it warm up the other side once it goes down over the mountains, but it's doing its work, right? It's still doing its work. So the Bible is accurate in this as they understood it, as best they understood it. And in its perfect nature, it revives the soul, the part of an individual that interacts with God. Some translations, it's converting the soul. We know that happens when a person comes to know Jesus Christ through the Word of God and the testimony of the Word of God. It converts the soul. That soul gets into relationship with the God who created everything for us, who has a love for us, a desire for us. It converts the soul. But, it, but in this sense, using restoring the soul, reviving the soul, as the ESV says, I imagine some of you experienced the work of God through the Word of God this week. You needed encouragement. And when you interacted with the Word, the Lord gave you a verse, a thought, or even a word that stood out to you and you walked away with it. And you go, man, you know, about 30 minutes ago, I was just so discouraged. And, and, and then I looked at the Word of God and I walk away and I go, Thank you, Lord, for giving me something very specific today. And you know that if you read through your Bible every year or you read through certain books every year, you know, you see things this year, you go, I've read that, read that verse about 42 times in my lifetime. I never saw that before. It's not that you got a new version of the Bible. This is the illumination of the Spirit took place. He showed you something he hadn't seen. It revives your soul. That spirit, that, that sense that interacts with God, it revives your soul. I love how Carissa Freiberger, she's a member of our church, lives up in Beulah, and she's a great writer. She, she worked with our homeschool kids and taught them speech and debate. And she went, she went and got her master's degree down at Clemson, and then she taught down there at a, a university. And she's a writer, and she just put out this new book. And I, I just finished reading it with Alicia. Um, and, and she describes this. Her book is titled this, and it's so good. you got to think for a minute. She, it's it's a, a breath of fresh God. It's so well titled. We say a fresh breath of something, right? Okay. But, but she's put it this way. A breath of fresh God. Now, she was reading, and she was seeing in Scripture these things, and she recognizes she gets a, a sense of fresh God a new thought from God 
Now, it's not new to him, but to her, it is. And I love her title. It's well worth getting. That book is well worth getting. A Breath of Fresh God. And that's what happens to you. That's what happens to you. You, you read something, and God shows you something, and it, it encourages you. It gives you hope and strength. And you, you see God in a, a different way. You see his hand in a different way. It's beautiful. It will revive our soul. And it's going to be exciting to see what God's going to do through these 40 days. You're going to be sharing with me, right? Yes. You're going to be sharing with one another what God is teaching you. You're going to talk less about what you're doing, and you're going to talk more about what God is teaching you. How is he rewarding you? How is he interacting with you? What is he showing you? He goes on, verse 7, the rest of verse 7. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. It can be counted on. It can be trusted. There's a sense of it being eternal and unchanging, always available and authoritative. Uh, lately, um, there's this uh, golfer, his name is Phil Mickelson. You might not be following this, but as a golfer, I do. He's uh, got a kind of big name. And uh, he's kind of made a big name for himself lately, some of the statements he's made. and uh, But I've been reading that there's a book coming out about him, and it's the unauthorized biography of Phil Mickelson. Now, i got to admit, I don't know that I'm going to be able to trust that book to tell me what Phil Mickelson really said because it's unauthorized. Hmm, I wonder if he really did say that. I'm telling you, this book, the testimony of this book is sure. It can be trusted because it's, authored, authorized by the creator God, the covenant relationship God who loves us and cares for us. It can be trusted. And if you will take it at its word, because it says it is authorized, it is from God. Uh, let's see, 413 times, I think, is what I looked up this morning that the Bible says, thus saith the Lord. I think he's making a point. You can trust it. This is what I'm giving you through my prophets, through my people. This is what I've given to you. If you'll take it that way and you'll apply it to your life, it will make wise the simple. Put it this way. It'll make the ordinary person extraordinary because they have been with God and they are now have the opportunity to apply his instruction and his testimony for their lives. You can trust it. And if you will trust it, put it into your lives. It will make wise the simple. Not that, not that you're a simple person, just ordinary. We are just ordinary people that God wants to use. And he will help you to make wise decisions that you need to make. Paul said that of Timothy. I don't have this verse up here, but let me just read it. He said of Timothy in 2 Timothy 15, Paul says to him, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, the scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through Jesus Christ. What does he say in James? If any of you lack wisdom, what do you need to do? Go to Amazon and buy a self-help book. No. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously without reproach, and it will be given to him, but let him not doubt. Let him ask in faith. Wisdom, just ask him. 
and believe that he will give it to you. You got decisions you got to make. I got decisions you got to make. Just ask God, God, you give me your wisdom because this is your testimony. This is yours and it is sure and it will help me to be able to make the right decisions and I can be wise in that. All right. That's where we're going to stop today. It's time to time to roll. It's 10.42. So we, we did good. Um, so here's how I want to finish. That last verse, this passage, number 14. Let's read it together. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I know we haven't got there yet, but it's all right to apply this verse. Put up there, Lord, speak to me through your creation and scripture that I might abide more fully in you. You're driving home today, and maybe, you know, might might not have the streets quite quite cleared yet. We know they get after it really quick out here. Just kidding, just kidding. Let's not curse the snow. Let's recognize there's a creator who's given this to us because he knows what we need. And he's given us his word. We'll give, we'll go the rest of the way through this next week. But he's given us his word so that he can show us how we can be in relationship with the creator God who loves us so much that he put this heavens there and he put the skies and he put the sun there for us to show us that he's the creator, he's the designer, he's the orderly one. And then he's given us his scripture so that we know how to enter into a relationship with him. Interesting. Some of you just got this card last week. I saw some of you go back there, this parents prayer card. Good job. I'm going to encourage you to do it again. Here's what you pray today for your kids. Love for God's word. Not making this up. Number six, day six. It is the six, right? Love for God's word. May my children grow to find your word more precious than much pure gold and sweeter than honey from the comb. Did we just happen to read that verse? We didn't get there yet, but we happened to read that verse today. Psalm 19.10 Today for us. You need this card, friends. It's back there in the back by the information table on the left, on the wall. Second one in. On the left, top row. That's how you can pray for your kids today and your grandkids. Grab this card and pray. That was today. I'm sorry I didn't get to that verse today. God had that plan from ages past for this to take place this day. And I'll close with this, another little illustration. I got this, I don't know, from, I don't know, food for the poor or something. Uh, I don't know if we even support them, but it's a Lenten calendar. Just trying to help us to decrease things and increase our time with Jesus. 
day five, Sunday, March 6th, 2022. Gospel reading, Luke chapter four. Just a short little. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. My offering to God this day. Today, I will meditate on the word of God. <laughs> Does God care for me? just like he cares for you. And he's got something for you today. In the creation, in the scripture, that he wants you to know. So, let the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart be acceptable in his sight, O Lord. Your strength, your rock, and your redeemer. Father, it's amazing what you brought out even to me this day. Thank you for your creation. And we we are privileged to live here. Let's see, from Pikes Peak all the way down to the Spanish Peaks, I don't know, 120 miles of mountains of your creation. We have incredible sunsets and sunrises. And all around us, evidence of you. And all around us is evidence of you in your word. Man, just help us to keep abiding, abiding in you, but abiding in your word. Word of God, speak. Help us to be quiet when we need to. Show us yourself in powerful ways today and this week. Thank you for each person that's ventured out today. Be with those that can't come. We know it's difficult driving. Just help them to find and hear from you today at their home. Help them to take time to watch a program or listen or read your word and, and hear from you. And then let's share it with one. 